0: Hey, Planet Money listeners. If you're looking for more shows to listen to, NPR recommends the TED Radio Hour. Learn about inventions, ideas, and fresh approaches to old problems. You can find the TED Radio Hour on iTunes under podcasts. There's this massive company that's about to be added to the New York Stock Exchange. It's a Chinese company. And when the company starts selling its stock, people are saying it could be the largest
1: IPO ever in the history of the world. Bigger than Google. Bigger than Facebook. This company... Alibaba, after the guy with the 40 Thieves who said open Sesame to a sealed cave and found a world of riches inside. Alibaba does
0: a lot of things. And we're going to talk about this really interesting part of the business. Probably the closest analogy is Amazon, except you can buy way more than
1: diapers. We were looking at Alibaba the other day and found a used 747, like an actual airplane that you could just order. You can order an oil tanker if you want to just move some of your oil around.
0: There's crazy stuff like that. But also, more importantly, there are things like this. 500 million tiny screws. Steel beams, industrial cranes. A TS-118-3 thermopile. That apparently is a kind of temperature sensor, but you have to order at least a thousand of those.
1: Alibaba sells the stuff that you need to make other stuff. And thousands and thousands of manufacturing companies in China are on Alibaba. You need quick, dry, super elastic fabric for wristbands. It is there. You want something printed on it? You can do that.
0: Alibaba sells more stuff than Amazon and eBay combined. It's transformed China, and in the process, it's done something else. It's made it possible for anyone, anywhere to build almost anything they want.
1: Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Steve Henn. And I'm Zoe Chase. Today on the show, Alibaba, what it means for China, for the rest of us, and some chickens in California. When we say anyone can build anything, it's really true. Like this dude, Sean Hector. He lives in California. About 18 months ago, Sean bought some baby chicks, thinking it would be nice to have some eggs. He kept
0: the little chicks warm for weeks under a heat lamp. And then, when they were ready, he put them outside in a little chicken coop. It did not go well. They were eaten.
1: by, by <laughs> numerous animals. <laughs> they were attacked from the sky.
0: Hawks, which are interesting. They only eat the brain and leave the rest of the chicken, so that's interesting to mm-hmm. find. Also, raccoons. Which basically ramsackle everything. You find nothing left.
1: The worst ones, the wiliest.
0: Foxes. Sean and a friend decided the world needed a better chicken coop. One where you wouldn't have to always be wondering, are the chickens safe? Are they in the coop for the night? Did I close the gate? And this being Northern California and these guys being Silicon Valley types, they thought, let's build it ourselves. I mean, maybe we could start a business. Steve Deutsch, Sean's friend, told him, lots of people in California have chickens in their backyards. If we build a better chicken coop, maybe people will buy it. This started when you had just gotten chickens. And we were talking about, because you were rushing home to always go and open and close the door, because that's what you do if you have chickens. And I was saying, well, how do they behave? And he was describing it. And I'm like, well, they do the same thing all the time. That's That seems ripe to be automated. They dreamed of a high-tech chicken coop. It would count the chickens as they came in for the night. It would close the door automatically behind them. There would be an infrared camera and automated text messages letting Sean know his chickens were safe.
1: In the past, say 15 years ago, if you got to this point where these California dudes are, little idea dreaming of making money off this idea You would have a problem because all the parts that you need, they are made in China.
0: There are lots of good things about the global economy, but it's global. Sometimes it means the people you need to work with are on the exact opposite side of the
1: planet. Chris Anderson was a reporter based in China in the 90s. He saw American businessmen show up all the time trying to build their supply chain. We called him. He laid out all the steps for how it used to go. And there were a lot.
2: Back in those days, to get a factory in China to work for you involved the following process. Fly to Hong Kong. Find a fixer and a translator and get them to arrange some visits to factories. Um, They'll take you across the border. They'll introduce you to the factories. The factories don't really know who you are, don't know why you're there. It's very awkward. They'll give you a tour. Sometimes they think that you're there to buy the company rather than the product. They show you the books. You have an an awkward explanation. We're like, no, no, I don't want to buy your company. Thank you for showing me the books. If all that goes well, then you have tea, then if that goes well, you go to a bar, you have, you have, uh, drinks and food, you have to sing karaoke, um, and if you get through all of that, they agree to do business with you, then you need to get a, um, letter of credit and bank transfers, and then there, and then that's just the beginning.
0: 15 years ago, these guys in California, Steve and Sean, they never would have begun this chicken coop business building process if that's how it still was. There's no way they were going to fly to Shenzhen and sing karaoke, all in the hopes of building some texting chicken coop they dreamed up one night.
1: But today, there's Alibaba, the place where you can buy anything.
0: So they logged on and started searching. They typed in chicken. Poultry chicken eyeglasses. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Poultry chicken eyeglasses? Six cents, yeah, yeah. What, what do you use those for? See, that's what we're talking about. Antennas. Steve found antennas. Could be useful.
1: That's not expensive, Steve. That is not expensive. That's cheap. Yeah.
0: That's very cheap. That's a pretty big antenna to attach to a chicken, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. But, but we could look for a different antenna. There's different do, antenna do, technology. Do so chickens that's, get embarrassed? Really, the main thing they were looking for, the main thing they wanted was a door that could open in the morning and close at night automatically. That's what they needed to get started. And to do that, they needed a little motor, a programmable motor, something called a stepper motor. Let's look for the motor first. So let's start with a stepper motor. And as soon as I type step, it comes up with it.
1: There are more than 50,000 results for stepper motors on Alibaba. The guys find some they like and they place an order with a company called Guangzhou Hongyi Automation Company Limited. It says free shipping and 96.2% of buyers enjoyed this product. 28 votes. We were curious about Guangzhou
0: Automation Limited, about all these vendors. We wanted to know more about the people on the other side of Alibaba. So we called them, a bunch of them.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Hi, Tony, this is Zoe. We messaged on AliExpress. Okay. Tony works at one of those many stepper motor places. He speaks through a translator. He is not some stepper motor mogul. I asked how many staff they had.
3: Including me, about six to seven, Uh, sell staff. Very small. Yes, it's very small.
1: He says that's typical. He lives in a big stepper motor area, reselling stepper motors from the factories around him. And what happened in his area really tells the whole story of Alibaba. It used to be there was just one big stepper motor company, as Tony describes it. It was run by the state. Then starting about 15 years ago, workers from that company began leaving and starting their own little factories.
3: This is uh, probably a common phenomenon in many parts of China where there was one state-owned manufacturer or one or two large company that branched out just like a tree over 10, 20 years to these tens and hundreds of businesses.
0: So you had all these people starting companies, but there was a problem. How was anyone going to know these places existed? Well, this is around the time that a guy named Jack Ma decided to start Alibaba. The idea was to create a kind of online marketplace for Chinese businesses. For a marketplace to work, he realized he needed some way to create trust. These companies were all new. If you were ordering stepper motors from halfway around the world, how do you know that they'd show up or that they'd work when they arrived? If you were making stepper motors, how could you be sure you'd get paid? That's what all the karaoke and whining and dining had been about, building that
1: trust. Alibaba solved this problem by offering to hold the cash for any deal until both sides were satisfied. It verified that the companies were real. And it set up these online reviews so people could know what companies had good track records. For people like Tony, it also made things fair. It didn't matter so much where you came from or who you knew.
2: Alibaba, was a house
3: name? I think um, Alibaba overall have allowed many, many young Chinese to pursue the dream of entrepreneurship, uh, particularly for young Chinese who do not traditionally uh, otherwise have access to connections or social capital, access to social capital, to start their business and, um, and realize that dream.
0: And on the other end, if you're two guys in California building an automated chicken coop, you don't think twice about ordering stepper motors from Guangzhou Hongyi Automation Company Limited, even though it's halfway around the world. And that stepper motor, it did arrive. Let's see. Let's open this puppy up. I know it's
3: a piece of product. It's an anti-static,
0: a little anti-static bag here. That looks like the motor driver. The stepper motor driver.
1: And this is the thing about Alibaba. Suddenly, people who never would have thought they could set up a Chinese supply chain and get into the business of making stuff and selling it, suddenly they have access to it.
0: That journalist we talked to, Chris Anderson, the former editor for Wired who used to live in Hong Kong, he tried out Alibaba. He'd gotten interested in drones, started designing some, figured he'd try to get the parts he needed to build them on Alibaba. And he needed these little custom motors. He didn't know anything about motors, really. But it turned out that wasn't a problem. Alibaba had a way to chat with the motor makers. It even would handle the English to Chinese translation for you.
2: I basically said, I want to buy a motor. And they're like, what motor do you want? And I'm like, what do you got? And they're like, what do you want? And so this went back and forth for a little bit. And then and they said, well, look, here's a little form where you would pull down these little sort of, you know, drop down menus and, you know, pick your shaft length and windings and, you know, magnet style and overall dimensions. And I was like, okay, I can do that.
1: And at the end of the process, this journalist had designed a motor. And This right here is what is so special. This is what separates Alibaba from Amazon or some other massive shopping platform. The whole idea is that you communicate with the manufacturers. You build relationships with suppliers. The stuff that used to happen over dinner and karaoke, now it flies back and forth over instant message, instantly translated. And that's what Chris Anderson found out when he found himself negotiating with a factory in China.
2: They said, how many do you want? And I said, I'd like I'd like uh, 100 and they're like, well, the pricing for 100 is like, you know, a lot. But if you order 1,000, it's cheaper. And if you order 10,000, it's cheaper yet. And it went from like, you know, three dollars down to like 40 cents. And I thought, gosh, okay, I'll order 10,000, you know, at 40 cents each. And uh, they said, terrific. Um, and how would you like to pay for that? Uh, PayPal or credit card? And I said, I'll take PayPal. And I you know, <laughs> sent my <laughs> PayPal details. And 10 days later, I had a pallet, you know, a small, a small pallet appear on my front doorstep of my house, and inside were 10,000 custom-made motors exactly to my spec, you know, with little sort of uh, foam layers in between and, you know, a little sheen of machine oil because it had all been just made. And, I, you know, my jaw was on the floor. I realized that I basically got robots in China to work for me, and they took PayPal.
0: He used these motors, built some drones, and they flew. They worked great. They worked so well that Anderson quit his job at Wired and started a drone company.
1: It's called 3D Robotics. It's a multi-million dollar company with a factory in Tijuana putting together parts from China.
2: Like a lot of people these days, I'm kind of getting into the making of things because it got easier.
1: It got easier to make drones and chicken coops, whatever you can think of. And in China, it got easier to go into business. A lot of the people we called on Alibaba's platform were young, people in their early 20s. They told me they couldn't remember a world before Alibaba when they didn't connect to their customers this way. In fact, from their perspective, Alibaba has been a little too successful.
0: There are now so many heat sensor manufacturers and motor manufacturers and antenna makers on Alibaba that it's hard to make much of a profit.
1: That's our show for you today. You can let us know what you think by emailing us, planetmoney at npr.org.
0: We also wanted to thank all the people who helped make this show possible Jason DeLeon, our intern, Thea Bennett, one of the producers here at Planet Money, the translator, Jeff Wang, who came in late at night to help Zoe interview Alibaba suppliers and vendors.
1: And thank you to all those vendors on Alibaba who we talked to. Also, I want to mention a professor, an expert, and an investor who helped us, Dante DiGregorio, Hannah Halberta, Haney Nada. If you're looking for other podcasts to listen to, NPR recommends the TED Radio Hour with Guy Raz. You can find it, of course, on iTunes under podcasts. Our producer and sometimes pinch translator is Jess Jang. I'm Zoe Chase.
0: I'm Steve Head. Thanks for listening.